Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Happy Monday to you all. and Thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Big, busy weekend as always. Uh... Big names uh, on the DL. We'll be getting to those. Uh, we'll be getting to a pretty small Monday slate ahead of us and whatever lineups uh, pop up in the next hour. We'll get to that and uh, check on the weather for you as well. We'll take a look at back at some of the weekend performances, uh, some big ones, and maybe some performances that could change your thinking in terms of how to set your lineups and rotations for the coming week. So a particularly important edition of our uh, standouts segment uh, of this show. Joining me in a little while is going to be Keith Farnsworth. You can find his work on fan tracks, on rotographs. Uh, he has recently written a piece about looking for wins in the bullpen. So not just uh, getting wins from starters, but from relievers as well. Of course, over the last several months, I've talked a lot on this show about, uh, and again, it's been discussed you know, all over, uh, coming into the season, how starters are playing a less important role, uh, going fewer innings, relievers picking up the slack. So we've uh, talked about that in a number of ways, but don't recall really talking much on this show about relievers as a source of wins. Keith has written about that. Keith is also in my uh, great fantasy baseball invitational league. So we just ran our weekly waivers last night. Uh, take a look at those results. And a whole bunch of other stuff, and including your Twitter questions. Uh, so you've been submitting those because we've got a 7 o'clock Eastern lineup lock first pitch uh, on this Monday. A little bit later, gives us a little extra time to set those lineups. So uh, I'll be getting to your questions as well. But uh, among the big stories this weekend, uh, Clayton Kershaw diagnosed with bicep tendonitis. Uh, that's what came out of his MRI. And uh, he is going to start his rehab pretty much immediately. Uh, but according to 570 LA Sports, there is no timetable for Kershaw's return yet. So we just got to wait and see how that situation develops. And of course, really the, the whole Dodgers rotation right now uh, is uh, in a bit of a flux state without Kershaw. Uh, you had uh, Alex Wood developing some cramps. You've had Rich Hill uh, having his start push back at least a couple of times. So the latest as of right now is that uh, according to the Orange County Register, Rich Hill is going to start this Tuesday. And I think maybe I shouldn't have put quite so much emphasis on that because uh, wasn't Rich Hill definitely going to start on Sunday, right? I mean, so we, we've seen it, it push back a couple of times, but at least the latest iteration is that Rich Hill will be activated and will start uh, this Tuesday. 
And then Alex Wood is scheduled to go uh, the next game in this two-game series for the Dodgers against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So you have Hill and then Wood. And uh, and then you got Walker Bueller probably taking the uh, opener against the Reds. But Bueller with, with uh, Kershaw's injury has uh, solidified his spot in the uh, Dodger rotation. So really has taken uh, some some hits lately. Uh, Yasiel Puig is going on a rehab assignment starting today at uh, Rancho, uh, excuse me, Rancho Cucamonga in the California League, Advanced Class A. And he is expected to be activated on Wednesday, according to MLB.com. So in the 15-team mixed, great fantasy baseball invitational. I'm going to start Puig this week. Though it's taking a little bit of a chance because there could be a setback between now and Wednesday, plus even in the best-case scenario of Puig getting activated on Wednesday, uh, it's you know, it's not going to be a, a big week. Dodgers off today, but uh, he'll miss Tuesday at minimum. But it's a deep, deep enough league that I feel good about starting Puig. Uh, instead of, I'll, I'll tell you exactly, just to give you an idea of how you can calibrate this in your own leagues if you're a Puig owner, I'm going to be sitting Jose Perella to make room for Yasiel Puig. So I'm, I feel pretty good about that, actually. Johnny Cueto, some, I guess you could call it good news, uh, reported a few days back that he was going to see uh, Dr. James Andrews and get a whole bunch of different opinions on his elbow. And the news is that it is a sprain, not a full tear. So that means uh, that he is expected to be out for six weeks. And this all coming from uh, FanRag Sports' John Heyman. So uh, we're looking at Cueto being out till you know sometime late in June, but that certainly does beat missing the entire season if you're looking at the worst-case scenario there for Cueto. So like I said, some relatively good news for Johnny Cueto. Mookie Betts uh, sustained a right shoulder contusion this weekend. Uh, he is currently uh, day-to-day. Yadier Molina in... Uh, uh, one of the more difficult stories to uh, to follow this weekend. Uh, he underwent emergency surgery on Saturday night. Uh, he was uh, hit in what uh, Chandler Bing on on the old series Friends called in the shorts area, uh, and he sustained a traumatic hematoma. So uh, Molina had emergency surgery Saturday night, and so he's going to be out at least one month recovering from that surgery. Carson Kelly's been called up. He and Francisco Pena are going to split the catching duties, according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And in other Cardinals news, Bud Norris uh, was lifted on Saturday uh, with triceps soreness, and he is expected to be out for at least another day or two. Uh, Norris himself, according to the Post-Dispatch, is not alarmed by the injury. Uh, So, you know, this... Statement requires the usual level of skepticism, uh, but uh, at least there's some chance that we could see Norris back with the Cardinals um, maybe by tomorrow. I mean, I I think that's very, very optimistic. Cardinals do play tonight, uh, starting off a series with the the Twins, but they do have a day off on Wednesday. So I, I would think unless something is really wrong here with, this particular diagnosis that um, we we would see Norris back for the four game weekend series at San Diego, but that's one you're obviously going to have to keep your your uh, eyes on. And 
I think not only because of the perhaps minor nature of this injury, but also just because there's no clear alternative in St. Louis right now to uh, Bud Norris as uh, as the closer. So we'll see if there's a safe situation that does pop up in the series with the Twins. Be interesting to see how it goes. But um, the, the best clue that we have is that uh, yesterday uh, Cardinals had uh, a tie game situation. Uh, this was the uh, the Sunday night game against the Cubs at Bush Stadium. And it was uh, a tie game through the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. As the home team, you would usually approach that situation, you know, as if you had the one-run lead, you know, as if it were a save situation. And they went with uh, Lions, Hicks, and yes, Greg Holland in the ninth inning in that tie game as the home team. So does that mean that Greg Holland gets another shot to close if Norris doesn't come right back? I don't know. I really honestly don't know. I personally, for just a hunch, would bet against it. But... Uh, I think mostly I'm just going to take the positive, optimistic view here and assume that Bud Norris is going to be back, like I said, by Thursday, uh, worst-case scenario. Um, and I, I know it's not really the worst case, but I'm hoping that's the worst-case scenario. And otherwise, just kind of staying away from that whole Cardinals closer situation. Uh, now, I've, I've mentioned that there's skepticism that needs to be uh, had in regard to situations like Norris. Well, you may recall, if you listened last week, if you listened to last Thursday's show, Nando Thursday, and I said that uh, the Mets were saying that Jacob deGrom was going to start on Sunday, and I was chided by Nando DeFino for not being skeptical enough, and Nando was definitely right to do that. (laughs) So Jacob deGrom uh, did not start, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Sunday, actually, it was tonight, Monday, uh, my bad, uh, against the Reds. And so DeGrom won't be making that start because uh, he's been placed on the disabled list. However, and again, let's let's put on our, our skeptics hat here. The Mets say he is expected to miss only one start. Uh, Manager Mickey Callaway said that the move was overly cautious. And Callaway also said that that one start that DeGrom is definitely going to miss could be a bullpen game. Uh, so they've, they've called up uh, P.J. Conlon. Uh, to uh, to start that one, and uh, I don't know if that necessarily means that uh, they're they're going to you know piggyback uh, on him or not, but uh, that is the move that the uh, Mets made. Uh, that'll be Conlon's major league debut, by the way, uh, against the Reds, who are going to send Homer Bailey out to the mound. Uh, also, in other Mets news, Yoenis uh, Cespedes uh, left. The game, uh, I believe this was on Sunday, with right hip tightness. Suspedes uh, has, uh, has said that uh, this is an issue that he's had before and usually comes back within a couple of days. But again, we'll continue to be skeptical on all Mets injury reports and other injury reports as well. But that one comes to us from MLB.com. According to the Denver Post, DJ LeMahieu thinks he's ready to come off the disabled list tomorrow, that being Tuesday. And uh, with the day off, that would obviously be the soonest that uh, LeMay, who could come back, Rockies with the day off today, uh, that will be the opener of a two-game set with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, Rockies do have a six-game scheduled week, so if uh, LeMay, does look to be coming back uh, tomorrow, then uh, you certainly do need to start him, but 
just uh, monitor that one up until the first pitch uh, tonight at 7 Eastern. Blue Jays uh, announced that Lennon's Diaz, who had to leave Sunday's game uh, early with an ankle injury, actually had to be carted off the field. He has a left ankle sprain. X-rays were negative for any kind of fracture. So that's a good development there. But uh, Diaz still needs to undergo an MRI. So uh, until we have those results, there is no timetable. Uh, I've been having Diaz on a couple of teams. I've been treating this as if this is going to be a DL stint. Seems like it would be an upset if it wasn't, but we don't know for sure. So stay tuned to that one. Uh, That report, by the way, from Sportsnet. Also from Sportsnet, uh, Curtis Granderson, who has not started either of the last two games for the Blue Jays, uh, has been out with a hamstring injury, not expected to go on the disabled list, and could, in fact, come back as soon as Tuesday. Blue Jays also having uh, tonight off, a lot of teams having tonight off, like I said, at the very outset of the show. Very, very uh, skimpy Monday night slate. Uh, But the Blue Jays will have a six-game week, playing three against Seattle starting on Tuesday, and then a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series against the Red Sox. So Granderson could be back by tomorrow. And that one is worth monitoring, too. Maybe not so much for Granderson, but uh, they replaced him. The Blue Jays replaced him on Sunday with Anthony Alford, who had just been called up. Uh, Alford is a nice potential source of steals if he stays up. But again, that's not looking like the situation for Alford. So if you saw him in the lineup and got a little interested, uh, definitely uh, pump the brakes on any sort of enthusiasm because, again, Granderson could be back as soon as Tuesday. And final note here, I'm sorry, actually two notes. Uh, Justin Turner uh, took batting practice on the field on Sunday for the first time and uh, hit in the cage with no issues on Saturday, according to the Orange County Register. So good, positive steps there. And finally, Melky Cabrera being moved up by the Indians to uh, AAA Columbus. So he is inching closer to being uh, ready for uh, duty with the the big team uh, in Cleveland. So uh, good news there for Melky Cabrera. So at the start of the show, 15 minutes ago, there were no lineups. And as of right now, there are still no lineups. So uh, we've got a couple of games just after 7. First pitch is 7.05 Eastern at Citizens Bank Park. Philly's hosting the Giants, Eflin and Samarja. So i got to think we'll have that those lineups in pretty soon. And then the other one in the 7 o'clock hour, a 7.10 start Eastern at Great American Ballpark, as I mentioned earlier, that's Reds, Mets, uh, Bailey, and Conlin. And then everything else is either an 8-ish start or a 10-ish start Eastern. Just seven games on the slate tonight. So a uh, very, very skimpy slate. Uh, now, we don't have specific lineups for you just yet. However, we do have weather forecasts. And each one of those for each of the seven sites, and these are all outdoor games, uh, all of those predict good weather, good weather for baseball, no significant chance of precipitation for any of those seven games. So very good news uh, there as you set your lineups. And again, you don't need to have your choices even more limited, given that there's only seven games on the schedule. So uh, what I've got uh, for you for the, the remainder of the show uh, very shortly, I'll be joined here by uh, Keith Farnsworth. And uh, as I, I mentioned before, he's written a piece 
about looking for wins in the reliever pool, but uh, got a lot of a lot of things to discuss uh, with Keith. Uh, like I said, including Fab results for great uh, fantasy baseball invitational, uh, his own situation in that league. He and I are in the same league, uh, and we actually have sort of a common issue that we're we're trying to solve. Uh, so you will find out what that is once we have Keith on the show. And a um, lot of big prospect pitcher call-ups in the, the, the last few days. Uh, now, one pitcher who's made the splash wasn't called up, just had his role changed, and that's Domingo Herman uh, making his uh, first start of the year for the Yankees, and it was a brilliant one. Uh, no hit the Indians over the course of six innings. A really great pitcher's duel between Herman and, uh, and Mike Clevenger. So uh, he'll certainly be at the, the, the top of the, uh, the highlights that uh, I'll go over this weekend. But uh, I picked him up in three different leagues because uh, there wasn't quite as much interest in him as there was in Nick Kingham and Walker Bueller and Mike Soraka. So I found that kind of interesting. So if he is still out there, Vermont's still out there in your league, you might get him cheaper than you were expecting to. So on that note... Time to head to our first break, and when we come back, Keith Farnsworth will be here. So you stay here, too. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network. Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fancy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And as promised, I'd like to deliver on my promises we got uh, Keith Farnsworth uh, with us here. We're going to get to Keith in just moments here. Uh, but first, I do need to remind you uh, about DailyRoto.com Dollar Month. Certainly, you've heard about DailyRoto.com Dollar Month here on the network. But I wanted to put it in some context for you. So let's say you buy a lottery ticket. You pay the dollar. You pick a bunch of numbers. And that's it. You clutch the ticket and you hope. But now let's say that you try DailyRoto.com Dollar Month. You pay your dollar, you get access for 30 days, and then you're transported into a world that's produced five millionaires. So take destiny into your own hands and go to dailyroto.com and enter the code $1. That is all one word, the word O-N-E, attached to the word dollar, O-N-E dollar, one word. That's dailyroto.com and enter that code $1. So uh, Keith Farnsworth is with us here. You can find his work. Uh, at Fantrax, you can find it uh, on Rotographs. Keith, thank you so much for uh, for joining me here today. Hey, Al, thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And a uh, couple reasons uh, that I was was glad to have you on the show today. 
Uh, as I've mentioned a few times already, you and I are in the same uh, great fantasy baseball invitational league. Uh, in fact, we've, we've talked about that uh, I think once already this season. Um, but you also wrote a piece for fan tracks on looking for wins in the bullpen, which I thought was pretty interesting and a little bit of a different angle on uh, something that a lot of us have been thinking about and writing about in terms of how to deal with the increasing importance of bullpens in real baseball and in fantasy. Uh, but before we do get to that, I just wanted to kind of check in uh, on the fab activity this weekend. I talked a little bit before the break about all the pitchers getting all the uh, getting all the attention. Domingo Herman, uh, Nick Kingham, Walker Bueller. Uh, you got couple of hitters and you got them relatively cheaply. You got Brian Anderson for $7 and Kike Hernandez for 11. Now, were these just need-based moves or uh, you like the value, the potential value on these hitters or uh, what, what was uh, the, the motivation to, to pick up Anderson and Hernandez? Well, they were pretty need-based moves. Um, I've had a, a, a pretty rough stretch here with injuries. Um, I have a decent team. I'm just having a hard time getting them all on the field at once. Um, so pitching-wise, there was a couple other pitching guys out there that you mentioned. But for me this week, I had to put a priority on replacing Beltre, on replacing Moncada, and plugging somebody else in, even if only temporarily, at second base and third base. Yeah, and I, actually, I was in this, a similar situation last weekend and talked about that a bit on the show and wound up picking up Daniel Descalso because uh, – you know, just because, <laughs> because middle infield. And so, you know, Hernandez, uh, you know, the week since with Corey Seager uh, out for the year now, uh, you know, he certainly would have been, you know, I, I wouldn't mind p- picking him up instead last week, but now you've got him. Uh, what are your expectations for him and for Anderson going forward? Uh, Anderson has been a nice little surprise. He's getting on base a, a ton, uh, which is important if you're going to get any type of run scoring production off that lineup. Uh, but he's somebody who's not going to hurt me in the week or two that I plug him in. And I may get lucky with a few counting stats and, and a decent batting average. Um, Hernandez has actually done pretty good in a couple different categories with the exception of batting average his last several years. So he struggled with getting playing time. But if you look at the last, I don't know, probably 680 to 700 plate appearances, um, he's had about 22 home runs, um, a decent amount, you know, a couple of steals. So, again, hoping to get kind of lucky with him. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's that's a good approach. There's some pop there. And, uh, you know, certainly in weeks where the Dodgers are going to face some lefties, uh, could could do quite a bit of damage. Uh, now, you, uh, you yourself made allusion to some of the big name, bigger name pitchers that people were bidding on. Uh, were there any in particular that uh, – you went after and just uh, didn't didn't bid quite enough on. No, not really. Actually, the the few weeks prior, I had gotten lucky on on some of my pitchers. So I have Nick Kingham already from the previous week. Uh, Matt Cook, the Diamondbacks, has pitched uh, you know unbelievably well, beating Kershaw and Verlander, Verlander now in in two of the last three starts. So um, I'm actually okay at pitching right now, um, but I really needed to shore up some of those uh, temporary replacements on, on the infield. Uh, how do you, how do you like uh, Cook? Um, uh, you said you, you picked him up, and and he's you know had good starts so far. Um, do you have hope that he's somebody that you can continue to keep in your rotation? Yeah, I think uh, I'm still waiting on you know three starters to come back, so I'm waiting on Rich Hill, uh, Danny Salazar, I'm actually Andrew Miller's the other one I'm waiting on, but I'm, I'm waiting on my staff to kind of come back healthy if they ever do. But 
in the meantime, I'm going to keep running that cook out there. He's not going to give you uh, a lot of swing and miss. Um, in fact, it's, it's exactly the opposite. He has a good ground ball rate. He pitches to contact. Um, he had 50-something pitches yesterday through, I think, six innings. Um, so he has the ability to go the distance, although the Diamondbacks aren't really going to trust him through the second, uh, you know, more than two times through that lineup. But, yeah, he's pitched uh, well enough to earn that rotation spot moving forward. Yeah, I've got a lot of skepticism about him. I, I, I sort of lump him and Harlan Garcia together because they've both been consistently very good. And yet, as much as I dig and try to find – now, you pointed out something. Um, but, you know, in my digging, I've yet to find the thing and say, oh, that's how he's, you know, outsmarting the BABIP gods. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, exactly. But you, know, you did mention there, there's the, the, the efficiency, uh, which is – you know, an element of the, the pitch to contact style that uh, maybe not as much as Roto is in a points league, but it, you know, it does have its uh, it does have its appeal as long as the, the contact isn't too hard. And he's keeping guys off the base pass. The Diamondbacks actually have a pretty underrated defense um, with some of the injuries. A couple of days ago, they were playing four, essentially all four of their shortstops, their shortstop uh, capable players in, in the field at one time. So they had somebody at third, somebody at second, somebody at short, and then somebody in the outfield. Um, and so, you know, Chris Owings in the outfield. So the defense-wise for the Diamondbacks was set up pretty well for Cook to, to maybe fake it for long enough to, for me to get some of those guys back. Okay, that's, you know, I've been looking for a reason to, to buy into what he's doing, and, and that gives me a little bit of food for thought. Um, now, you mentioned you, you've done some more aggressive bidding in previous weeks, you're down to $328 out of 1000 in your fab. Um, first of all, was that an intentional approach? Do you tend to be uh, more aggressive early in the season or were just players that you, you felt you couldn't pass up? Uh, so, sir, what was your intention and strategy, strategy coming into the season, and how do you plan to, to manage the fab going forward? Well, I definitely plan on being aggressive early on. Uh, I didn't draft... Um, a closer, I drafted a few guys who I was hoping to take over the closer role, and that um, hasn't gone according to plan. So I've had to be aggressive to kind of speculate on saves. And what I what I thought I had found somebody or got lucky, and Bud Norris seems to have backfired oh. a few you know a few weeks later. But um, yeah, I went aggressive in, in Fab because I really wanted to compete in this league. So uh, third, fourth, fifth place to me wasn't as important as trying to really be aggressive and see if I can get an early lead. Um, and I've seen in, in other leagues like this where fab is a factor where, you know, you get two months down the road and you just can't use a fab. And maybe that's not the case in this league, but um, I can manage with, you know, 30% of my budget the next uh, two or three months. And at that point, I may be out of it already. All right. Yeah, well, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I, I've been trying to be a little bit, Less aggressive this year because I find that I do get to, you know, the all-star breaker a little before. Wish I had more of it. But, uh, you know, that again, you know, we see so many of the big prospect call-ups happening this time of year, uh, you know, which is why we do see so much aggressive bidding right now. Uh, so it's not necessarily something that it does pay to, you know, meet out in, in equal increments every week, right? Uh, now, you mentioned get, picking up Bud Norris. And, you know, I looked at where you are in terms of the category standings in this league. And it was very reminiscent of my Tout Wars team. You're second to last in saves. You have Norris, you know, who's very stable in the, the closer situation. I mean, if the reports are accurate, 
He'll be back in a couple of days. Hopefully that's that'll be the case. Um, and then you've got uh, several closers in waiting. You know, one of whom you mentioned was was Andrew Miller, but you've you've rostered a, a bunch of others. Uh, in fact, let me take a quick look at the roster because really there seems to be a pretty clear strategy here. You've yeah, got Bear I also Claw. have Dar- Darren O'Day, Bear Claw, Dylan Batanzas, um, Sergio Romo, and, yes. and within a few days, a lot of those guys could find themselves in a decent stakes position. Now, Batanzas has been awful. Um, I probably need to cut bait on him, even though I was really high on him coming into the season. Um, Sergio Romo has been just as bad as Alex Colomay in, in uh, Tampa Bay, so it's hard to tell on any given night what that situation will end up like. But I think I actually have two decent saves, uh, potential people in O'Day and Bud Norris, uh, which if you break it down, there's 30 closers in baseball, 15-team league. It puts me in a good spot right now. And if one of the other guys breaks that way, I could actually have an advantage for the you know the second half of the season. Yeah, no, you, you absolutely could. Um, and I just want to back up to Batances, too, for a second, because I actually did a little research on him earlier today and um i don't know i mean you've got so many options there and i don't think potences is going to get get you saves but um uh, he's got a BABIP over 500 and not necessarily a good reason to have that BABIP. uh so i don't know i'm not i'm not sure what i would do with potences but i don't own him in any leagues um but uh, getting back to your situation, so you've got, like you said, you've got you know, Romo and, and Bear Claw and Andrew Miller maybe coming back uh, this this Friday. Um, so is is the plan right now to just kind of hold with those guys and see, you know, sort of who gets to the closer seat first, or are you ready to bail? You already said you're you're close to bailing on Batances. Are you ready to to bail on them by a certain point and and take a different direction with your your pursuit of saves? Yeah, I already started dumping some of those guys um, in anticipation of picking up a few hitters. Um, so I will probably lose another one of those, uh, maybe even two of those this week, depending upon how things kind of play out. This is a weekly format, so um, maybe I get lucky and one of those guys kind of slots in. If not, I'm probably going to start cutting bait on them as guys come back from the DL. So if I get Rich Hill back, if I get Andrew Miller back, Danny Salazar back, um, I will start to cut bait with some of those guys that are not really in a position for saves. In the meantime, I'm going to try and play for broke and see if I can end up with four closers here in a few weeks. Okay. Uh, are, so are you going to start Rich Hill this week since he's supposed to come back tomorrow? Um, no, I'm actually waiting on Rich Hill. Um, I kind of want to see what see what I get and then kind of go from there. All right, all right. Um, so let's say that you do start uh, – cutting bait on those guys would you consider punting saves or is it too early for that uh or do you, you have a, you have a different plan uh, i think it's probably too early to punt saves, and i don't think i could if i punted saves uh it'd be really hard in a 15 team league where you get one point for for each rank um so I, it'd be hard for me to punt saves in this category and still end up in the top three um and with the aggressive style that i've taken since the draft since with fab um, speculating on saves, um, and it's getting further and further from possibilities, but I'm still playing for, you know, a top three position. All right. All right. Uh, by the way, I'm just, I w- want to get to your uh, fan tracks piece on reliever wins in a second, but I just saw uh, a, a piece of news break here. Nick Kingham's been optioned back to triple A. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was, it's interesting because the initial 
Uh, one of the initial pieces that came out when he got called up was that it might be one and done. And then, of course, he had that great debut. And then, um, you know, it was, okay, well, he'll make another start. Probably Pirates were very serious about that approach. So uh, looks yeah, like, his, uh, uh, yeah. his point, point .65 whip wasn't good enough in his first 12 innings, apparently. Apparently not. They he he needed to do better. So, even though it was sort of telegraphed, I have to admit I'm I'm very surprised by this. So, uh, all right. Well, let's. Uh, you're not going to get any wins from uh, Nick Kingham uh, unless uh, you know there's an injury that gets called right back up. Uh, but you know you you wrote about looking for wins from relievers. Um, well, first of all, how. What's what's your sort of your general approach to that? Because I don't even like to chase wins with starters, because even if a team's a good run producing team, it's it's not necessarily, uh, you know, that that easy to predict. Uh, how much confidence do you have in looking for wins from relievers? Well, I've been writing a a, a, a series on fan tracks that's going to run about once every three weeks. That uh, I call it bullpen kings, and it's basically I'm trying to make people aware of the changing atmosphere in for relievers within fantasy baseball. Um, so the last several years, several key, you know, statistics have changed with relievers. And so if you look at 2017 to 2018, 42% of all wins in baseball have been by a reliever. Um, if you go the last eight years before that, it's 33%. So there's been a drastic change in reliever wins. Now that doesn't actually dictate like, trying to speculate on who's going to get those saves. Uh, but I think we need to actually kind of start to roster more relievers, generally speaking, that are going to give you more Ks. I think it actually just changes the value of the mid-range starting pitcher. So the top 20, top 30 starters, those guys are studs. You're going to run them out there all the time. You're going to target them in drafts. You're going to draft them high. You're going to keep them. But I think as pitchers pitch less innings, and they definitely are the last – you know, five, six, seven years, especially the last two years, they become less valuable overall. And so rostering people like Josh uh, Hader, um, like Kyle Bearclaw, like a bunch of other guys who can give you strong Ks, good ratios, and then snake wins at a much higher clip than they had in the past, I think it's just an overall better strategy. Yeah, well, it's something I'm considering in Tout Wars because I'm doing well in strikeouts and wins, uh, but not very well in ERA and whip. Um, and as I mentioned before, I'm also not doing well in saves. So yeah, I may just, you know, start working in some, uh, non-closers with really good ratios in place of some of my lesser starters. Uh, and, and, you know, and then like you said, that the probability that they'll actually pick up a win better than it's they much used larger. to be. Yeah. yeah. It's much larger. Josh Hatter is leading his team in K's by I think 13 strikeouts right now. And he's not maybe he's not the, the prototypical <laughs> example for this, but he's got 13 more strikeouts than anybody else on his team. You've got a guy like Tyler Clifford, who him and Justin Verlander are the only two pitchers in baseball right now who have four wins and an ERA below 1.50. So it, it, wow. it's a little bit flukish that Tyler Clifford has four wins, but if you start to just, especially in daily leagues, start to bring in guys with good ratios, good Ks, You'll be surprised by wins more often now than ever before. Wow. Well, we're just about out of time here, but that's that's really uh, some great stuff to, uh, to to think about. And like I said, I in particular am going to take that to heart uh, and try to uh, fix my pitching situation in Towton and, and, and some other leagues as well. So, Keith, thank you so much for taking 
taking the time. And, Thanks, and, I appreciate it. All right, take care, Keith. So uh, stick around, folks. Quick break here. We'll be right back. Hey, you, over here. You want to win a DFS? And you want it for just $1? I got Daily Roto here. Now, why do you want it? Two of the guys behind it have won a million dollars. It's not just about the writers. Not one, not two, but three subscribers have won a million dollars, too. That's five millionaires. Five, count them. And it's not counting the $100,000 winners, too. They talk about it in the Slack channel. But why is it a dollar right now? Special price for the month of May. Yeah, if you don't like it, then walk away. If you love it and you're winning, keep going. Do I use it? How do you think I afford my massive tracksuit collection? Come on, look at the glitter on this. It's beautiful. You can sort your stats, add your own weights, read articles, distinguish between slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. You gotta go to DailyRoto.com and enter code $1. I may just be a creepy guy in a random alley inside your head, but I know what I'm talking about. That's DailyRoto.com, code $1. That's it, one. One dollar, one month, and start winning. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm Al Melker, your host. And thanks again to Keith Farnsworth for joining us for that last segment. Some really cool stuff to think about if uh, you're like me or, or like Keith in Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and you're trying to uh, move up the ladder in terms of your ratios and pick up some wins. Uh, maybe the answer for you is in the bullpen. Uh, so some good stuff there from Keith. Uh, I've got uh, some performances from the weekend, uh, particularly Sunday, to go over. I've got your Twitter questions to get to. Um, I also want to break down this Nick Kingham situation because I think I know what's going on with that. Uh, But before I do, just uh, another message here from DailyRoad.com and DKMS if you want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, just go to DailyRoad.com slash DKMS and take a crack at playing free daily fantasy baseball. You can play every day. It's totally free. And the contests are sponsored by DKMS who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. Every three minutes, an American's diagnosed with blood cancer and only 30% of all blood donor patients are able to find a compatible bone marrow donor in their own family. Go to DK, I'm sorry, go to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS where you can find out how you can help to eradicate blood cancer and at the same time play a free daily fantasy baseball game with the shot at winning two tickets to the 2018 World Series to a game in that upcoming World Series. All right, uh, the Nick Kingham situation, if you're just joining me here, uh, he was optioned by the Pirates to AAA Indianapolis, and the corresponding move is expected to be uh, Jose Ozuna getting called up, but not until tomorrow. The Pirates have three days off in the next eight days. So, you know, uh, <laughs> Keith and I, the last segment, were, you know, sort of being uh, facetious and, you know, joking that, uh, you know, Kingham didn't do quite well enough. And I mean, obviously that was not the case, but uh, Pirates off today. They've got two game series with the White Sox in Chicago. Then they've got another off day, three-game series against the Pirates, and then another off day a week from today. So uh, they don't need a fourth starter or a fifth starter. 
Maybe not a fourth one either. No, but they definitely don't need a fifth starter. Uh, so I imagine we'll see Kingham back up when they do sometime uh, next week. So don't drop Kingham. Just keep him stashed if you can because he's not going to do you any good this week. Uh, but I imagine that he will make a start uh, next week, and I would think probably in the Padres series, the weekend series. Uh, so that would be a nice start uh, for Nick Kingham. So let me uh, get to the Twitter questions first. I think that would be the the, the priority here, the most important thing. And uh, all right, here we go. From at Mr. D. Williams, fam uh, with a DL risk or Solaire. And actually, then he's got a pitching question, so we'll get fam or Solaire. And yeah, I, th- I would go with Solaire, the safer choice. Obviously, all things being equal, I would much rather be starting Tommy Fan, but Solaire's a good, uh, you know, a good fill-in uh, to make sure that the Fam is healthy, good to be playing every day. And then we got a whole bunch of pitchers to choose from: Soraka at the Marlins, Faria at the Orioles, Bueller against the Reds, uh, and uh, actually a couple more: uh, Aaron Sanchez against the Red Sox, Drew Pomeranz. Uh, Yankees and Blue Jays. Uh, this is a 12-team head-to-head categories with quality starts and batting average. Okay, so I guess I'm just picking one, and I, I, I'm not. I don't feel good about going with the lone two-start guy here, Drew Pomeranz, with those really horrible. Well, the the Yankees definitely a bad matchup, but. Um, uh, and I would definitely pass on Aaron Sanchez against the Red Sox. Don't like that matchup at all. It just uh, on the grounds of just the pitcher himself, I would would rule Sanchez out. So that that brings it down to Soraka, Faria, and Bueller. That's tough. I think I'd, I'd go Soraka. I think I'd go Soraka against the Marlins. It's in Miami, uh, so good matchup, good venue. Uh, I know Soraka was not at his best on Sunday. But um, I, I like his chances there, and I understand you know Bueller's got incredible upside. Uh, I think I trust Soraka to go maybe a little deeper into the game. And somebody asked me a, a Twitter question earlier today about Bueller, and the, the the point I made with about him is I do worry about him a bit because he's not really a swing and miss guy. So he really does rely on the opposition to uh, not be that selective and not make that much hard contact. And the Reds are, are a pretty good matchup, but I, I just trust Soraka more to, to, to do well without necessarily help from the, from the matchup that he has. So I'm going Soraka here. Uh, all right, next question at UVA, UVA underscore RLW. Am I starting the rookie Romero this week? Not the easiest to start. And I'll tell you what, I don't own Romero. I certainly had opportunities to get him this weekend uh, via FAB. Those two starts uh, that you're alluding to at St. Louis and at the Angels. Uh, yeah, that is tough. And I will tell you how much those matchups worry me. Um, and they both do. I mean, the, the Cardinals, because they're pretty selective, and the Angels, just because they're they're just j- dangerous. That in my bidding in... This was uh, one of my head-to-head points leagues. I actually made Romero a contingent bid behind Jose Urania. And Urania's got two scheduled starts uh, at the Cubs and then versus the Braves. Those are not easy matchups. 
But um, I do trust Urania a little bit more. So yeah, I'm not I'm not really that hard that 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 hot on uh, starting Romero this week to to the extent that I you know I didn't bid aggressively for him in a two start week. And next one is from at Jay Legeza, a a frequent uh, Twitter questioner on the show. Twelve T Brodo, Verdugo versus Margot. Margot's just been awful. Puig's back this week, uh, which could cut into uh, Verdugo's playing time. Yeah, I'm not sure what the situation is going to be there with Puig, so that worries me. I would go with Margot, who I do you know expect is going to snap out of uh, out of this slump eventually. I think you got to be patient there, and I, I certainly do trust the playing time a whole lot more for Manny Margot. So uh, those are my thoughts. And last question here at Jbuff six three two, Tommy Fam starter sit five outfielder categories league. Uh, well, unlike the previous question where I had an alternative, and if you know the alternative is somebody like Jorge Soler, then yeah, I am uh, definitely good with starting Tommy Pham. But in a five outfielder league, now I don't think the number of teams was mentioned here, un- unfortunately. Um, but I would say, you know, 14 team and deeper, uh, I... Probably, I probably would start Tommy Pham and get less. I just happen to have somebody like Jorge Soler, and in a deeper league like that, that's going to be unlikely. But in a in a twelve team uh, league, even with five outfielders, I think I could probably find a uh, a Soler type, a reasonable replacement. So I hope that helps. Um, like I said, depends on depth of the league, but fourteen teams and deeper, deeper, I would be prepared to start Pham. But I certainly in any format would look for a, uh, a potential replacement. All righty. So thank you very much for those questions. Uh, we've got uh, lots of performances from Sunday to get through. Not sure that I will get through them all. But I'm going to start off with one that worries me just a little bit. And it's not a terrible performance, but Noah Syndergaard now two starts in a row has not really been quite himself. Uh, so there was the game... Early last week, uh, with Mike Soraka making his major league debut against the uh, against the Mets, rather, uh, and and out pitching Syndergaard, uh, and then on Sunday, Syndergaard a quality start against the Rockies, but that's not really what you want to hear when you're talking about a Noah Syndergaard start. You want to hear he got ten strikeouts and was absolutely dominant. That was not really the case. Syndergaard got five cases in six innings against the Rockies, walked four batters, did only give up two runs on six hits. But again, not, you know, that's great if that's like Matt Boyd, you know, that you're like, okay, that's encouraging. Maybe not the four walks, but, you know, that's something that might catch your attention with. With no Syndergaard, that's that's a downright disappointment. It's not a disaster. You can certainly get by with it. But that, in concert with the earlier start in the week against the Braves, has me a little bit worried. And there's there's really a trend that goes beyond that this season that has me worried for Syndergaard. He's just not throwing strikes as much, not nearly as much. 41% of the time locating in the zone in this particular game against the, the, the Rockies, it was an e- even much lower rate than that. So the control has been very inconsistent for Syndergaard, and that's just not that normal for him. So it's certainly not to the point of benching him, but it is definitely to the point of looking at each start very carefully, even when the results are good and seeing how good the control has been. Uh, now, he was definitely upstaged 
by the Yankees starter. I already talked about Domingo Herman a little bit. No hitter for six innings, uh, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts against the Indians, and just a, a dynamic uh, debut as a starter. Didn't start at all last year, the brief time he was up. First start this year, uh, replacing Jordan Montgomery in the Yankees rotation and making Aaron Boone look pretty smart for going with him. And uh, this is somebody who has some real strikeout potential. Uh, and I, I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier on the show that I picked him up in three different leagues. It didn't break the bank. Uh, I, I bid right around $50, $55 out of 1000 in all three leagues and, and got him. And meanwhile, uh, guys like like Kingham and uh, Soraka uh, going going for much much more. Caleb Smith also going for much much more. And, and, and I gotta say that one surprises me a lot because while Caleb Smith's got a very nice home park, he's got a lineup that might not give him a whole lot of run support. We know Herman's got that. And even though he leads toward towards being a fly ball pitcher, I don't worry too much about Herman in Yankee Stadium. Uh, because uh, he's uh, granted very limited sample, but has done a pretty good job of of limiting hard fly ball contact. So I'm uh, I'm very happy to have Herman, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if he outperformed uh, Romero, who was going for higher bids, uh, or maybe even Soraka or King, uh, Kingham. Excuse me. Uh, now opposing Herman in that game, Mike Clevenger. He went seven and a third, only gave up one hit. Uh, four walks, though, for Clevenger, but that's kind of an old story for him. Just two runs and 10 Ks. Clevenger has been a little bit light on the strikeouts so far this year, so very encouraging to see him uh, strike out 10 Yankees. And the walks, uh, given what he's done so far this season, that might not necessarily be the norm. Uh, he has had better control this year than in the past, so a little bit of a different look for Clevenger, and uh, it's, it's been working for him. Chris Archer with a very good and encouraging start against the Blue Jays. One run over seven innings, five hits with no walks. That's great to see from Chris Archer, who's uh, been inconsistent with his control. And six Ks. Uh, so, uh, And not a totally righty-dominated lineup either. Archer has really struggled against lefties. And uh, good, good to see him ace that uh, start against the Blue Jays. Chad Cool. With, I mean, this is a lot of great pitching performances on Sunday. Chad Cools was one of them. Seven uh, scoreless innings on a hit and two walks with eight Ks against the Brewers. Cools now had three quality starts, which sort of undersells it. Three quality starts out of his last four times out. But they've really all been very good starts, um, not just kind of borderline quality starts. Two in particular uh, have been very, very good. Uh, so this is somebody who's got some strikeout potential, but his fantasy upside's been limited by some kind of borderline control and a tendency to get hit hard. So I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in just this one start or even three quality starts in the last four, but uh, definitely bears some watching. Now, pitching for the Brewers of this one was Chase Anderson, and another not very good start for him. Only five and a third innings, five runs on five hits and two walks, only three strikeouts. Velocity has been hovering about a mile an hour lower than last year, which in, in and of itself isn't alarming. But the whiff rate on his four-seed fastball is half of what it was last year, only 5%. 
I don't think the velocity is so much the issue for him as a fairly dramatic decrease in vertical movement on the pitch. So there are some warning signs there for Chase Anderson, but I would also point out that he did not pitch that great in late April, early May last season and that he was terrific uh, over the last several months. So I feel like it's still a little premature to, to uh, cut bait on uh, Chase Anderson. I am rapidly running out of time here. So I'll just uh, quickly point out uh, Jake Judas with another good start. This one against the, the Tigers, uh, eight strikeouts, uh, two runs over seven innings, but still benefiting from an, uh, just an obscenely high strand rate and low BABIP. Uh, Andrew Suarez with a good start against the Braves, a team that's not easy to strike out, and he got six Ks in five of a third. Eric Lauer with a good start, six scoreless against the Dodgers. We already talked about Matt Cook earlier uh, with Keith Farnsworth and Andrew Triggs. Nine strikeouts over seven innings, just one run allowed, and no walks. That is key for Andrew Triggs, so a nice start for him. But against the Orioles, so I think I've got to credit the matchup on that a little bit. But a few hitters, I don't want to go without pointing out some of the good hitting performances. Ian Desmond with a two-home run performance against the Mets. Um, not quite enough to get me to start him just yet, but uh, you know, as I often say, uh, you got to start a streak somewhere. Michael Franco's been red hot. He hit a sixth home run on Sunday, gets the Nationals uh, in a two-hit game. Over his last 16, he's batting 333, 16 games, 333 with four homers and four doubles, only six strikeouts and 61 plate appearances. He's a hot hand. Uh, you could try to pick up. Zach Cozart hit his fourth home run and eighth double against the Mariners on Sunday. Uh, not as much plate discipline as he showed last year, but uh, pretty pole happy this year. So the power's been there despite the move to Anaheim. Jed Jerko. Filling in for Matt Carpenter against the lefty John Lester. Jerko homered and doubled, but kind of interesting to see Matt Carpenter sit a bit against lefties. So starting to lose some faith in Matt Carpenter just because of the playing time situation. And finally, uh, Alan Hansen uh, continuing to stay hot. He's been up for eight games with the Giants, hit his third double, went two for four against the Braves on Sunday. He now has two homers and two steals with a 321 average. Looks like he might be having a breakout season. Anyway, thank you so much for uh, tuning in. you got a few more hours still to, uh, to set your lineups. So good luck with that. Good luck this week. I'll be back tomorrow with Matt Modica. So come on back. I'll be here. Have a good one, everybody.